Hi, this is Scott Schober here. Welcome to Cyber Coast to Coast. I am here out of our headquarters in Metuchen, New Jersey at Berkeley Veritronic Systems, and I'm joined with my brother and partner here, Craig Schober. How are you doing there, Craig? Hey, Scott. I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm here at an undisclosed location. <laughs> oh, okay. I am currently in between houses, so um, it's a, our schedules are a little... Uh, frantic between your, you know, your busyness at the office and my in-between houses and stuff. It's amazing that we even got a chance to sit down and record record another episode. But here we are. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's been a little while. We've had a yeah. little pause with all your moving and other things going on, which is it's good from the business world. We're extremely busy. Business has been extremely crazy just the past two months, and and just haven't had much of a time to do anything. But it's nice to kind of get back into the swing of things and normalize life a little bit. And uh, another episode here. And, and just to, to let our listeners know, uh, let them know our, our sponsor. And we've got some new sponsors coming on board with some of our different segments too. So we're excited about that. It's always nice when you have multiple people that are asking to be sponsors and we have some nice demand, which is great. Uh, but this, this episode is sponsored by a Dark Kryptonite. Dark Kryptonite stops ransomware, malware, Fishing in their tracks, eliminating cybercrime, fraud, and information warfare. Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. You can learn more about some of the great stuff that Dark Kryptonite is doing at darkkryptonite.com. And that's Kryptonite with a C. And uh, again, great to be here with you, Craig. And uh, I just wanted to maybe start off with something that we can kind of weave in later on with with our third stories but this is just the cyber tip of the week it's a little standout thing just so we can think about and just wanted to mention how important it is that not only within your organization it's important to implement best cyber practices but it's equally as important that your partners those that you're close with that you'd have business dealings with they have the same high level of cyber best practices that they meet and that are implemented throughout their organization. Why do I say that? Well, our third story is going to touch on that and because and, it ties in real nicely um, with some of the challenges that Apple recently had. Apple Computer, as we know, is probably you know the largest company, still the largest valuation of any company in the world. And to build their brand, it took a long time, decades. And our third story that touches on it a little bit here, it was about a fast company shuts down their website after a hack sends obscene Apple news notifications. And we'll talk a little bit more about that story there, but really how that old, that website had to shut down. Why? Because it didn't want to affect Apple's name and brand when all this obscene talk is going on. But it really just underscores the point for all of us business owners um, if you're working in a, a company where you've worked hard over the years to build your brand, it doesn't take that much for your brand to be destroyed. And I think, we'll, again, we'll touch on this a little bit more with our third story. But our first story that we're going to jump into is uh, crypto thieves cost victims 53 times what they make. And we'll break down the numbers there just to kind of put it in perspective. And it really helps us to appreciate the damage that cyber criminals, especially crypto thieves, what they can do just to make a buck, how it hurts all of our pockets. And, and the second story we'll touch on is uh, NSA cyber specialist, Army doctor was charged with U.S. spying cases. And we'll get into some of the uh, the details on that as well. And then again, finally, the third story, I already mentioned there, Fast Company shuts down a website after hack sends obscene Apple news notifications. So maybe first of all, let's let's talk a little bit about 
crypto. And I, I'm, I'm curious, just before we even dive into this crypto thieves cost victims 53 times what they make, when you hear crypto, crypto now, Craig, and all the stories, because I, I do a lot of coverage and segments on this for Cybercrime Radio, um, for Cybercrime Magazine, it's never ending. There's mm-hmm. constantly crypto stories about exchanges getting hacked, ICOs, wallets, passwords, um, everybody and anybody tied to crypto one way or another. I'm covering headlines where they're getting compromised. They're getting hacked. They're losing money. It's being stolen. Um, everything from bad guys to even the story I, I covered today a little bit, talking about some white hat ethical hackers that that uh, came across some crypto and took it, and they're begging for it to come back. So every which way you can imagine, you know, crypto is, is, is suffering. How do you think that in general is going to affect the longevity of crypto as a, as a possible, you know, future uh, a currency that we all might use? Yeah, I think it's uh, well, obviously it's affecting it right now. We've seen the, the market dip and mm. we, you know, and it spikes because there's always going to be people that want to buy when it's low and, and speculation. Sure. Um, but I think we've seen a greater trend of the volatility and the dipping. And that is all directly and indirectly connected with these um, crypto, you know, schemes. All, you know, a lot of them are outright theft a lot of them are kind of shady it's it's so it's ahead of the law you know there haven't been laws really put on the books yet to catch these criminals and the type of pursuits they're doing so it's sort of in a gray area but you know something shady when you see it so it's shady and and it's a shame because it ruins it for the it seems like an ever-shrinking few of legitimate um, organizations and use cases for crypto. And, you know, we keep hearing how it's the inevitable future and that all currency is going to be digital, all is going to be crypto related, all is going to be on the, the blockchain or some variant of blockchain. But it just seems like every time they make a step forward, it gets kicked back two steps because these headlines are just not going to stop, you know, and that that does show that it's entered the mainstream, you know, the criminals go where the money is and the money is where the people are and, and the, the mind share, if you will. So uh, I don't, it, it's, it's, it's sort of a good and bad, I guess, if you want to put a positive spin on it, you know, it means crypto has entered into the mainstream, but mm-hmm. if you call NFTs mainstream and, you know, I, I think they're kind of a scam and they're sort of, you know, just because you have a few, ads on the Super Bowl that advertise NFTs and the future of that, it's, you know, that doesn't make it legitimate. It just makes it big. And, and as we know, it makes it a big target. So I don't know what to make of it. I look at the, the po- I try to look at the positive sides of crypto. And even that you have trouble finding the positive. Uh, I was looking at the, just the basic, you know, efficiency of it, uh, for instance. And, you know, we look at Bitcoin because Bitcoin is the, kind of the king, current king of, of crypto, I suppose. But one Bitcoin transaction takes 1,449 <laughs> kilowatt hours to complete, Jeez. which is approximately 50 days of power for the average U.S. household. Now, you know, what's the, I don't know what the, the Bitcoin's currently selling at. It's at like $30,000 no, or something. It's down like to a little more than 19000 as of this morning. Okay, so I'm surprised it took a dip again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's dip, it's dipping with the market in general, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. 
that's part of it. Um, but it, you know, it, it, so it's a little shy of uh, 20K, which of course isn't the, the amount of power, you know, the amount of money spent on power in 50 days for the US household. But the efficiency, it should be much better than that because if you, uh, you also look up other stats like uh, credit cards, which have been around for decades and decades, uh, uh, look here, DecentNet can process 65,000 transaction, transactions per second. Bitcoin wow. can process a whopping five transactions yeah. per second. So <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's using more power. It's much slower. And by the likes of all these stories, you would think it's actually less secure than uh, credit cards, which I don't believe is possible. But, you know, the headlines kind of rule the day. So what we see mm. is what we tend to believe if you keep seeing it. Um, so hopefully a new crypto standard will emerge soon. Something that's more power efficient, something that's even more secure, something that relies on the variant of blockchain and we can just we can move forward to this inevitable future that we're kind of being promised, you know. Yeah, I, I think so. And I guess when you analyze, and I'm doing some research on Bitcoin just because I find it fascinating, crypto as a whole, and and blockchain how it crisscrosses it. And I guess understanding the fundamental way where we have centralized banks right now in the United States with the Federal Reserve, the SEC, Security and Exchange Commissions, they they define the rules for the banks and the brokerages that everybody relies on. Yet when you, when you look at Bitcoin and crypto, it's decentralized finance. And that really challenges the model that we kind of all understand and accept by really empowering those that use the crypto, the, the individual. So it goes to an individual level. And what does that mean? It really kind of eliminates everything. The fees that banks charge and, all the, the fees that other companies and brokerages charge for services and things that, but that's how they, they make their money. So I understand that, but it should theoretically increase the efficiencies of use and the cost structure because you're taking the middleman in a sense out of it. Um, and now mm -hmm. you've got individuals that in a sense are holding secure digital currency in their digital wallets. They can transfer the funds almost immediately to anyone that has an internet connection that, that wants to use this decentralized finance network in the world of crypto. So the, the concept is really cool, but the fact that you have to, to mine a Bitcoin and as you mentioned there, all the, all the people's hands that are involved in it, usually I find they're more behind the scenes. In other words, it, it's, it's an insider job, somebody that had access to maybe the, the password to get into the wallet or the, you know, the exchange or this or that they're playing games around Mm -hmm. the, the world of crypto and they steal big chunks of change that are hard to trace. And that's what seems to be a bigger problem. So you almost need like a crypto police type of mechanism to be deployed and, and some level of, of regulatory oversight and compliance that everybody can get on the same page. It, right now I call it the wild West. It's a bit crazy out there. Cause like you said, the, the headlines don't stop and that's what rules the day. It, another exchange hacked, another wallet hacked, another, um, person duped out of their money and they can't recover it because it was a redirect on a website, whatever it is. So it goes on and on and on. But that I think that nicely um, dovetails into this story here. Crypto thieves cost victims 53 times more than what they make. And this was taken from Info Security Magazine, which is a well-respected magazine. And, and just in the essence, I'll, I'll read some of the, the bullet points and we can chat about it. It says here, according to a new report, 
crypto hackers make $1 for every $53 they cost their victims in extra expenses. The statistics are published as crypto jacking has become more prevalent than ever. Um, and this was really done by a, a, a group called uh, Team TNT and a threat actor involved in numerous hacking campaigns. So I guess they did a deep dive. And they mentioned here the threat actor had a little more than 8,000 several crypto wallets. And the hacking campaign conducted by the group to steal these funds cost the victims over 400,000 in extra cloud expenses. Right. It's, it's crazy. Oh. Yeah. I was going to ask you about what do you think? like 400K in extra cloud expenses, like what is that? Is that them buying up more servers? Is that them having to um, go through and uh, create backups and erase old things? Like all these types of best practices that you should be doing, they're kind of forced to do because of this um, hacking of these wallets. Is that what you think it was? Or? Yeah, I guess, I guess that when we, when we think of the cloud and the cloud in, in essence is a stretch is really servers remotely located somewhere. And they're, they're now these days much more secure than they used to be because these clouds and containers, they store all this information. And there is a lot of information when we think about Bitcoins and the blockchain, the ledger and everything else that starts to add up with all these different transactions and such. But I, I don't fully understand why it's that much in cost, to be honest with you, without maybe doing a deeper dive or if they shared some of the research on this, because it seems it seems pretty high. Um, yeah. Don't know why it's that high, unless it's because the amount of users and it's an exchange and they keep all their data in, in redundancy on multiple you know, cloud servers or something like that, something that we're missing. I guess we really need to know more about how they collected this data to come up with this corollary of a dollar versus every $53. But assuming we can trust it and they're accurate and there's more to it than they shared in, in the article, it's a staggering amount of money. If it's really, um, you know, hackers make a dollar for every $53 they cost the victims they breach. It almost yeah. reminded me of something like, um, you know, a robber breaks into the house and they steal your diamond necklace that costs $10,000. And oh, and as they're running out the door, they take a match and throw it on your curtains. And now your half million dollar house goes poof up in flames. It's mm -hmm. something like that. It, it's like an it's extreme a, yeah, amount of damage. It's an inequity kind of. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's like those old stories. Oh, so-and-so was shot and mugged. And the thief got away with only $2, you know, it's kind yeah, of like yeah. that extreme thing. It doesn't, it doesn't read right. And I, when I read the story more, I think, I think part of it, I'm sure there's some legitimacy. I'm not going to say to the numbers, but to the kind of um, sentiment that the story is trying to, you know, portray. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a, it might be a case of like just the low sampling rate because they, they're really only looking at 10 crypto wallets used in this one campaign. And they're looking at the bill. It's, it's one set of victims, you know, and, and across spread across 10 wallets and one uh, I guess, uh, or multiple groups of, of hackers. And essentially they're just, uh, I think they're just dividing the amount that was found versus the total cloud bills that, you know, the spend, and they might've overreacted and spent more on the cloud than they needed to, or they could have underreacted. But I think the point is it's, it's a, it's a really low sampling rate. So if you took all people, all crypto wallets robbed of, you know, and then all the reactions to that, I think you'd have a much 
better number than one in $53, you know, who knows what it would be. But this gives us, I think, a starting point to say, hey, there's definitely a problem. Now yeah. let's find out just how big the problem is. Is it worse than this? Is it not as bad as this? And let's address it. Yeah. I also wonder too, and again, we we don't know, but perhaps if you add up other factors as well, like half the more than half the cryptocurrency that's been mined and created is is gone, is stolen or and not recoverable or lost because somebody mm -hmm. doesn't have access to a wallet and they forgot the password, they can't get in and poof, it's gone forever. That's a big part of you know a lot of the confusion in that world of crypto. The other thing is that when when crypto is stolen and you have to now hire a third party to help to come in and do the forensics, it's extremely expensive. They're going to mm -hmm. charge a premium. And if they recover the crypto, and there are even companies that will recover your crypto, they're going to take a good percentage of the, you know, as a, as a finder's fee. It may be 10%, it may be 20%, it may be more. It depends on the, the relationship and what efforts and length they have to go to. Yeah, and just how much desperation on the yeah, part of the victims. Exactly. How big is the pot? Um, are, 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 are the parties, the victims, maybe it's an exchange and everybody trusted in that exchange and all their crypto is stolen. And now they got a half a billion dollars that <clears throat> they got people with their hand out. But on top of that, they've got all these lawsuits from all their customers going after them saying, hey, you told us this was safe. How could you have done this? You lost our money. But how are you going to sue somebody and, and how can they recover that? And it's not backed by anything. There's no insurances typically. That's starting to change. Some of these exchanges and other things, they're, they're adding levels of insurance and things to calm customers down. Similar to if you have a, a large CD that, you know, it, it's the federal government's backing it in a sense. So you can get some, some, some recourse if it's compromised or the bank goes under, but it's, mm -hmm. it's a mess out there. That's for sure. Yeah. Good. Well, interesting story there. And, and again, um, just to make a mention and thank our sponsor there again, uh, Dark Kryptonite, they stop ransomware, malware and phishing in their tracks, eliminating cybercrime, fraud and information warfare. Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. Learn more about them at darkkryptonite.com. Kryptonite spelled with a C. And, and actually, they do a fair amount of stuff on the on the. Um, in the space of cyber there. And I'm sure lots of their business is going to be a result of some of the stuff we're talking about with, with cryptocurrency. That's for sure. Sure. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to have them eventually. I think they're going to be guests coming on yeah. to talk more about their, their whole world. Cause that's a fascinating world that we just, you know, we don't even have our feet in that doorway. So yeah, yep, they be, live I, in that space. yeah, yeah I think our audience stuff. would would like to hear more about that too. Yeah. And they got some exciting things. I've learned a lot more about dark kryptonite and their offerings. So uh, yeah, I encourage people to, their website keeps getting updated and there's some really exciting stuff there. Well, our second story here is uh, NSA cyber specialist, army doctor charged in us spying cases. Um, and, and these are always kind of more edgy stories that are kind of exciting. I think when it, when, you know, cybersecurity crosses the realm of spying and governments and this and that, um, and, and the breakdown of the story is a former NSA cyber specialist has been charged in the U S spying case for trying to sell secret information to the Russian government. Uh, he was 30 years old, uh, and it says here he could face life in prison, or be sentenced to death. So this is a pretty serious charge. It, it reminds me or makes me instantly think of um, Edward Snowden or others 
mm-hmm. where they're kind of on the edge there and they're they're a whistleblower no they're a traitor no they're a spy depends on maybe what side you sit on or what political party you're associated to or what story you read or heard for the week because it, it's got a lot of variance to it um this one here says the cyber specialist was hired at, at NSA, but worked there only for about four weeks. So he was still trying to find the bathroom. It sounds like, um, and during well, he managed tenure, to he managed to find some really top yeah. secret documents. So yeah, exactly. he didn't know his way around something. During his tenure at the agency, he printed top secret documents. So he sought them out, saw them, printed them out. After he left it, uh, he tried to sell the documents on the dark web website that was created by the russian sr or svr and undercover fbi agent can uh convinced him that he was talking to an agent from a foreign government sending payment to his cryptocurrency wallet so he basically kind of socially engineered and fooled him and he sent two cryptocurrency payments worth close to five thousand dollars the former nsa employee asked for eighty five thousand dollars exchange for all the documents citing financial problems as the reason behind this act Later, he got arrested and uh, at the planned meeting point for the document handover. Um, so certainly this is a, a serious case because I would assume that the NSA does a very good job, and I think they do, of, of vetting employees and making sure they understand their background, their mm-hmm. connections to any foreign governments, any type of suspicion that they would rule that out. But I guess, again, no, no system is perfect. And they mentioned yeah. he's being charged with three violations of the Espionage Act. And uh, they, they further on in the article, if you read down, it says it's not the first case that former NSA employees have sold or leaked sensitive data. And of course, our friend Edward Snowden, previous NSA contractor and CIA employee, leaked over 7000 top secret documents. And mm-hmm. there he pushed him out to journalists and everything else. And many, well, and you know, big, big headlines in the news. I think it was yeah. this week. Snowden was granted, uh, you know, Russian citizenship. Yes, uh, yes. so surprised. it kind of, it brings it all back. And, you know, you want to, I mean, yes, of course this person and, and Snowden, he was never really tried. So technically he's innocent, you know, until proven guilty. And the same with this, this person, although this story has all the hallmarks of a classic spy that got caught, you know, yeah. he's, uh, he's in debt. He's only on the job for four weeks and is photocopying all these top secret things that he probably weren't in his job description. I would imagine Just too many documents to, to all be, you know, in his wheelhouse um and he walked right into a kind of an, an fbi uh undercover fbi agent's trap who he admitted all this stuff to and yes of course it's possible he was framed or the circumstances just aren't what they appear to be but this you know even reminds me of uh, a former president of ours mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. bunch of secret documents that are allegedly you know classified documents and mar-a-lago and that stuff is being uncovered too you know, you don't want to convict before you have all the evidence, but sometimes the evidence just seems like it's overwhelming and it's, it's hard to imagine it going any other way. Mm -hmm. True. That's true. All right. Well, that this will lead us into our our third story. Um, And again, we want to thank our sponsor, their dark kryptonite. They stop ransomware, malware, and phishing in their tracks, eliminating cyber crime, fraud, and information warfare. Dark kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. Learn more on darkkryptonite.com. Dark kryptonite, kryptonite is spelled with a C. 
Um, real quick question. I'm curious, Craig, where do you get your news from? How do you read your news daily when you want to find out about like the big storm that's coming through Florida and up the coast here on the East Coast or just tech news or anything else? Where do you go to? Uh, I have three sources, I would say, three different sources. Um, one is uh, podcasts, actually, okay. uh, you know, audio podcasts, tech podcasts, stuff like that, because they deliver little things of news and along with tech gadgets, which um, the mo is the main reason I'm listening to. Right. But there's a lot of other news in there, too. Uh, also, I like uh, I listen to NPR, uh, like on the radio, mm -hmm. um, WNYC. I, I think they they offer a pretty good view of stuff, um, you know, biased, unbiased. However, I, I feel like they're pretty unbiased. Um, and also I, since I'm an Apple user and, you know, kind of in the Apple ecosystem, pretty deep in the Apple ecosystem, I, I get and I actually pay for uh, Apple news. So I get my, uh, you know, get notifications every day, 95% of them. I just, you know, flick away. I I'll, I'll get to it later, or maybe I'll never get to it. Every once in a while, I'll kind of uh, bookmark a story, and then I check it out later, or I'll jump right in if it's something really interesting. Uh, so yeah, this this story that we're going to cover now kind of piqued my interest because I didn't get the obscene or racist feed. <laughs> I don't I don't know what story it was specifically. I didn't. I don't think I got it. At least I didn't notice it. But of course, when, as soon as I saw the story, I immediately jumped back to look for some look kind for of it, weird. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "There's got to be a weird headline. Like, what this this has got to be a real story." So where is it? But I'm sure they pulled it before yeah, I, I could check it. it quick. You know? Yeah, I missed it too. And I do get the Apple News feed, and I like that. I, I'm, I'm on my iPhone and notebook uh, throughout the day, and my computer it pops up, so I, I get bits and pieces, and it's a nice way to consume news. Prior to that, I did have, I have to admit a lot of it I would read on Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. I've kind of gotten away from that a little bit. I'm not on the platform as much as I used to be, even though I think Twitter is a good platform for dispensing information. I just got, I did get bothered by so many bots and other stories and things I did read and, and seeing it kind of change a bit makes you wonder. Mm -hmm. um, still a great platform, but if you want news, it's nice when it's presented with uh, maybe may less of a biased position and it's hard. Everybody will argue one, one side or another with different slants, but I think Apple news is doing a pretty good job. Uh, can they mm -hmm. do better? Sure they could, but they're doing pretty good overall. But this story, it takes us into that. This is from Reuters reported on this fast company shuts website after hack sends obscene Apple news notifications business and tech publication fast company which we're all familiar with i used to get the magazine and read it and had some good stories in there shuts down its website on tuesday after a hacker sent obscene and racist push alerts to apple news users the person hacked the media company's content management system and accessed its publishing tools enabling them to send apple news notifications from fast company now i guess the interesting thing here is is, is this is where i always have a little bit of concern Apple is basically working or partnering with them and giving them third-party access to use the news notifications, push stories and things out. And I'm sure there's a level of, um, you know, proprietary information and access and confidentiality that they have to have between the companies and partners. But oftentimes that's the breakdown. When you start to, your, your reach gets out too far, if you have an app and now suddenly you allow third parties to have access to certain things and they write their own custom GUI, like happens with Facebook all the time. 
It mm-hmm. may not be Facebook that actually is guilty per se of something, but the third-party app developer, those that have access or agreements with them, but who has to pay the, the bill? It's really Facebook, or in this mm-hmm. case, really Apple. And, and it kind of goes back to the, the tip I was sharing at the beginning, I, and, and love to hear your thoughts on it. You know, we can do everything we can within our organization to stay cyber safe and educate employees and upgrade the patches and iOS and and, and regular OS for, for our, our PCs and the labs and things like that and our programmers and good cyber hygiene with passwords. And, you know, we do everything and anything right. However, we, are, we do have third parties that we share information with. Um, mm-hmm. If they do nothing, that's a bad reflection on us. And I think in this case, I wonder if, if it's possible that Fast Company and what what kind of happened with the whole content management system allowing them to get access to the, these publishing tools if it will reflect poorly on apple because they had to pull it down the website had to get pulled down there's an error 404 that pops up if you go to the, the company's website mm-hmm. um i did not realize how many users there were for apple news 125 million monthly active users that's a pretty good chunk of people um, yeah. Can it affect Apple's brand with, with a story like this? What do you think? Oh, there's always the, yeah, I, I think um, when you have someone as big as Apple, they're kind of like their servers, the things they internally own, their own IP. I think you could say they're kind of the Fort Knox of uh, servers and standards of cybersecurity and best practices even. Um, but you can't say that about all of their vendors. It's a um, you know, it's almost a guarantee that not all their vendors are as good. In fact, maybe most of them are not nearly as good. I don't want to say, I don't want to cast dispersions on uh, fast company. I don't know anything about them. And, but, you know, it's kind of disconcerting when you have um, these cybersecurity um, acronyms and all of these special certifications. You know, the, one of the reasons why these things are created is that you can internally have people that are um, certified to know these best practices and, and, and act them, act upon them. And you can also count on externally, in this case, third-party vendors and other companies that you do business with, you can count on them if they are certified in the same way to also act securely and professionally in accordance with all of those cybersecurity regulations. Yeah. Now, you know, maybe... I don't know, maybe someone slipped up, you know, human error is a big problem with Mm. cybersecurity, as we know, uh, and that could have happened. But, you know, it's like you were saying, it's, uh, it's scary that, you know, internally at Berkeley, we could have control over all our own data. But as soon as you step out, and every company does this, you have to rely on a third party at some point to do something. And we have several third party, you know, vendors and, and, and customers and services, um, so we're relying on them and they're relying on us in a lot of ways too. So there's a trust system that seemed to have been broken in this story, which is unfortunate. And getting back to your, your original question, you know, I don't think this is going to tarnish Apple's brand, but when you get repeated offenders, um, people are going to start to take note because, no one's going to say, oh, well, last time it was Fast Company and this time it's Adobe or whatever, yeah. you know, for instance. Uh, they're only going to say, oh, first it was Apple. And then a couple months later, it was Apple again and Apple. There's a problem at Apple, you know, and that yeah. patterns will hurt 
uh, eventually. Okay, yeah, and it's probably some truth to that. It's a cumulative making the headlines and the, on the list that that you have problems. It really can start to do some damage. Um, I, I don't fully know, and not not seeing what the the messages, this obscene and racist things. Who's behind it fully, and what the intent was? Was it just to badmouth the company Apple? Was it somehow tied more to Fast Company or somebody else? really have no idea maybe it doesn't matter at all you don't even want to give the 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 hacker the the time of day to actually you know spew that whatever they were pushing out there because it's probably wrong anyway right. and, and biased well, appeared, and was, there was a phrase that said thrax was here in in mm -hmm. the story and I, i'm not sure if thrax is the hacker or the group or uh, you know, the short for anthrax. I, I have no idea yeah, what, what they're what they're getting at. So, but that was contained in along with racial slur and obscene language and stuff. So, it's kind of like they're trying to. Someone's trying to promote something, but it's not. It wasn't clear. I don't think anyone knows exactly what the goal was as of yet. Yeah. And sometimes that's the the goal of a hacker is not always to steal money, extort money. Is that sometimes it's just to let's see if I can monkey around with this and cause chaos. It reminds me a little bit of a terrorist. Sometimes they don't even know their exact intended target, but it's to cause disruption, cause doubt, cause confusion. Maybe to some extent, the person behind this is just looking to cause chaos and maybe make a name for themselves in the hacker community. Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, but in any event, it's uh I guess the, the one thing I should point out when this does happen, the reaction to it is what maybe differentiates a good company versus a bad company or a strong versus weak company from a cybersecurity perspective. Right when it happened, immediately the company shut down the site. Um, the Apple News feed was suspended. The situation was resolved. So in other words, action was taken. The lack of taking action I think could be detrimental to a company and a brand, regardless of how big it is. Um, but the, the longer time things go on out there that cyber criminals and hackers do, especially when I hear about these breaches, somebody got into a computer network six months ago and they just discovered it. And then it took them four weeks to report it. And then it took them another two weeks to, to, to stop and identify the malware and remove it. Then they went back to their backups. You know, when you hear those type of things where it's prolonged over many months or half a year, you start to lose confidence in the organization to wonder how secure really are they? But when you read a story like this, something terrible happened. They took action. They addressed it. Situation resolved. Business as usual. Now let's go investigate it and make sure it doesn't happen again. You, you feel better about it, at least. There's, there's a little bit of a silver lining in it, maybe. Yeah. And if I could find another silver lining, it would be that targeted, um, they're not really ads, but let's say targeted headlines kind of almost saved Apple's bacon <laughs> in a way, because could you imagine, you know, like you said, 125 million monthly active users. Imagine if all of those users received these, you know, offensive headlines, it would be a headline. There would be stories about this for a month. But because it just involved Fast Company and probably a subset of a subset of headlines and topics that Fast Company covers, you know, I would guess maybe, I don't know, 50,000 people 
let's say, might have received these uh, offensive headlines as opposed to 125 million uh, or more. So um, it's a you know it's not it's not a great silver lining, but at least for once targeted um, uh, headlines and targeted advertising kind of helped not spread so much hate so fast instead yeah. instead of just kind of you know shotgunning it and blanket spreading it everywhere out to all uh, the user base out there yeah that's that's true all right good well so certainly three three interesting stories nice to get your spin and and uh get back on here and, and kind of get the pulse of the, the cybersecurity industry and some of the latest things that are going on um and maybe but just before we get off. We want to again thank our sponsor, Dark Kryptonite. They stop ransomware, malware, and phishing in their tracks, eliminating cybercrime, fraud, and information warfare. Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. Learn more. Go to their website, www.darkkryptonite.com. Kryptonite spelled with a C. Um, also, want to thank our listeners uh for for all the the feedback that we're getting i've get some nice feedback through twitter and linkedin and some people i've met in person kind of exciting to keep hearing about they, they like our series our audio podcast cyber coast to coast as well as our what keeps you up at night and again i mentioned earlier we have some some new sponsors that are coming on board um and i think that's really nice it's a testament to uh, people like to hear about um, cybersecurity and the tips we share and the different stories and headlines, as well as the various guests that we have on our shows. Um, and we're going to be having some guests on this show as well very soon. So stay tuned and uh, kind of excited for that and some different things that are developing. I do want to mention that this podcast is available on YouTube, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Apple, Amazon, and more. It's out there and it's everywhere on the internet. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. Uh, and also please review our podcast. We'd love to hear the feedback, good, bad, and ugly. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And of course, if you have any questions or comments, you could direct message us, uh, on Twitter. My Twitter handle is, uh, at Scott BVS. You can even visit my website, scottshober.com for more information. You could also fill out a little thing there and send your comments in or suggestions for future shows. Love to read it. Uh, and of course, if we read your, your comment or question on the podcast, we're going to send you uh, your choice of a, a, a book, one of our books, Hacked Again, Cybersecurity is Everybody's Business or Senior Cyber. And of course, we'll sign it for you and send you some swag with that as well. So yeah, certainly reach out and uh, share your comments or questions. Again, we want to thank you for listening and tune in next week for another new episode packed with cyber news, tips to stay safe and perspective from one coast to the other coast. We really appreciate our listeners. And, and please do give us a, a review out there. I'd love to see a, a review and rating from our listeners because that helps us to keep improving and growing this podcast to, to wonderful audience like yourself. So I'm signing out. This is Scott Schober from the East Coast here in Metuchen, New Jersey. And this is Craig Schober uh, signing out from a... Uh, undisclosed hidden bunker. <laughs> okay. uh, we'll uh, see you next time. Thanks again, guys. Stay safe, everyone. With your host, Scott and Craig Shover.